Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I wouldn't be getting all cocky, Gavin. Your country shot itself in the dick because the Polish scare your old people. Ass. The following podcast contains... We're more likely to believe an important local businessman than a foul-mouthed jerk from out of town. Foul-mouthed? Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you kept saying, this isn't who we are, when pretty clearly it is exactly who we are, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 296, Little Myth Can't Be Wrong, where we talk about our national mythology and how it's going to get us all killed. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Hint and a Half for Your Ass, who want you to know we're trying to tell your dumbass that things are fucked up. Are you sitting in the ruins of democracy watching mobs storm your institutions wondering what the fuck is going on? Here's a Hint and a Half for Your Ass, providing you the little tip you need to put it all together. Hint and a Half is totally free and easy to use. Just open your eyes, take a good look around, and see what the fuck is going on. Hint and a Half for Your Ass, trying to get you to unfuck the situation before it fucks you permanently. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. If you grew up white in the American South in the 70s and 80s, or hell, even today, you probably believed, or believe, that the American Civil War was never about slavery. That's just, that's crazy talk. No, you see, it was about a plucky group of free thinkers who wanted to guide their own destiny and the evil northerners forced them to kneel to the cruel hand of the federal government. And these heroic men fought the good fight for as long as they could, all the while knowing they were outmatched by the overwhelming economic night of the north and the capricious perfidy of the Europeans. This is how it was. You believe that because you were taught it from birth. It was woven into the very fabric of the South. Your grandparents told you this. Your parents told you this. Your teachers told you this. Hell, television told you this with cool car chases, explosions, and Barbara Bach's perfect ass and cut-off denim shorts. Just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born It wasn't unthinkable to say This might not be the case Because literally no one thought this Well (laughs) Not no one I mean black folks didn't think like this In fact they thought the whole idea Was just one more way that White people are fucked up But a lot of people including actual Academic historians did believe this way Go back and watch Ken Burns' Civil War and really listen to the historians Ken has on talking about the war. A good chunk of them talk about Lee and Jackson with the same kind of reverence a very devout Catholic talks about the Pope. The lost cause myth was 
is so embedded into the collective unconsciousness that not just Southerners, but a huge portion of America in general has Confederate flags flying in northern states that lost tens of thousands of their ancestors' lives crushing the Confederacy in the first place. Fucking white people. Hell, I believed it unquestionably until well into my 20s. I lost my belief in God long before I lost my belief in the lost cause. That's how deep that's buried in the brain. It took falling in love with a black woman to make me examine that Confederate flag hanging on my wall. God, black women must be so tired of making white people do the right thing. Sorry, ladies. I'm doing my best to get white people to think for themselves. But as toxic as the lost cause myth is, it pales in comparison to the most toxic myth in America. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo paid his first visit to the Voice of America headquarters on Monday, looking back at some of the top themes he has sounded on his trips abroad as the top U.S. diplomat. I tell audiences about American exceptionalism wherever and whenever I can, because it's true and because it's important. America is good and great. And everyone who truly grabs our founding understands this. Yeah, that old sawhorse. The one that's been propping up the worst behavior of America since long before there was an America. USA! 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 The Wikipedia page for American exceptionalism describes it thusly, quote, American exceptionalism is the theory that the United States is inherently different from other nations. This stems from its emergence from the American Revolution, becoming what the political scientist Seymour Martin Lipset called the first new nation, and developing a uniquely American ideology, Americanism. This ideology is based on liberty, equality before the law, individual responsibility, republicanism, representative democracy, and laissez-faire economics. This ideology itself is often referred to as American exceptionalism. Under this definition, America is seen as being superior to other nations or having a unique mission to transform the world, unquote. That is one big pile of shit. Before I start telling you why it's so damaging, let's just take a moment to pick apart the very premise. America is inherently different from other nations? Really? Do we have some genetic variant that identifies us as a different species than the rest of Homo sapiens sapiens? Is it cultural? Because our culture is a mishmash of pretty much every other culture on the planet. Were we the first new nation? Really? There were new nations being minted in Europe as far back as the 15th century. An ideology based on liberty? Um, the millions of slaves we've imported for centuries beg to differ. Equality before the law? Motherfuckers, we don't have that today. Representative democracy? Senate and electoral college much America? Capitalism? Okay, that one's pretty much on the money. I'll give them that one. All in all, I don't see a single fucking thing that makes America exceptional in the world. Oh, 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 I got one. America does allow its citizens to be so heavily armed they can walk in and shoot up a school pretty much any time they want. So uh, I guess we got that going for us, and it does make us pretty exceptional. God bless America. The idea that we are special, we Americans, is dug so deeply into our national consciousness that even the kind of people who are treated badly in America kind of believe it's true. I mean, your average black American who is still considered a second-class citizen by about 40% of the people and about 80% of the government still has an American flag and might even join a chant of USA, USA, USA when we kill an international terrorist leader. America, fuck yeah! 
It threads into every single thing we do. You cannot walk down a street in America without an American flag dangling on a doorstep. You can't watch a sporting event without an aggressive display of Americanness kicking off that event. And you cannot run your for fucking dog catcher in this country without ending your speech with God bless America. Like if there were a God, which there isn't, they would want to have anything to do with blessing this mess. Ask any other citizen of the world what their first impression of Americans in general might be, and I'll guarantee you it'll go something like, They are all proud to be an American. Like we had anything to do with being an American. I was over in Australia, and I was like, are you proud to be an American? I was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't have a lot to do with it, you know. I, my parents fucked there, that's about all. <laughs> When you think about it, the only people who are actually entitled to be proud to be American are the people who created the country almost 300 years ago. So the idea that Carl Johnson from Temecula, born in 1973, is proud to be an American doesn't mean a whole fucking lot. But goddamn Carl is proud. It says right there on his shirt that he bought from Amazon, the one with the screaming eagle holding the American flag in its talons. I'm not proud to be an American. I'm at best fortunate to be an American. I mean, for all our warts, America's got a lot going for her. If you want to be poor, you want to be poor in America. Well, no, actually, you want to be poor in a nation that has a robust social safety net, national health care, and a legal system that provides you with basic protections no matter your skin tone or bank balance. But assuming you can't be from one of those nations, you want to be poor in America. Sure, you can't get health care, but you probably have a flat screen TV and a phone that lets you watch hardcore pornography on it. We got that going for us. Are there worse countries in America? I mean, sure, you wouldn't want to be born in North Korea, or Russia for that matter. Do I wish I were a dirt farmer in Zambia? No! There are a lot of places in the world where the average person is a hell of a lot worse off than the average American, but does that give me the right to walk around with an AR-15 and a t-shirt that reads America, love it or leave it? Apparently, yes. Because an awful lot of Americans are doing just that and feeling really proud and self-entitled for something they had nothing to fucking do with. You on a lawn and garden service, Todd, you don't get to claim credit for American greatness. You get to claim credit for lawn greatness on East 3rd and Maine. Be proud of what you actually did, Todd, and shut the fuck up about how proud you are to be an American. And because we are so fucking impressed with ourselves, we have stared at our reflection in our water for so long, seeing only our star-spangled eyes and monster trucks that we've fallen into the water and are fucking drowning from our own fucking hubris. Yes! Breach! Right now, as I write this script, we're a week away from a full-blown insurrection in the capital of this nation and this exceptional nation. We have a National Guard troop sleeping on the floor of the rotunda to keep the followers of a vain and criminal man from storming it again to keep their petty orange god in power. To me, that doesn't sound exceptional. That sounds like a small Central American nation that has a CIA-sponsored coup once every three years. Indy Sajamavara wrote in Medium in the aftermath of Trump's failed coup, quote, the fact is the central myth of America that is an old, strong, and prosperous democracy is not true. None of it's true. But the fact that this has become a quasi-religious belief makes it impossible to fix anything without also melting American brains. People would rather die than believe that America sucks, so they're dying, unquote. 
Americans are so blinded by our mythology. We're incapable of, see, incapable of seeing the fractures in our system. We are unable to even think that we are unstable, unguided, and dangerously close to an actual civil war in the streets of the nation. Shit, even me, a person who's embraced the idea that this country is fucked and needs a fucking political enema to flush the accumulated shit of 300 years from our asshole, still believed until January 6th that it couldn't really happen here. And yet it did. And I'm still struggling with the idea that this probably ain't over yet. That January 6th was only Fort fucking Sumter, not Appomattox Courthouse. We are blind to reality because we persist in thinking this is not who we are, when in fact, Virginia, this is very much who we are. America has never been a shining city on a hill. It is a country with shining cities on hills, filled with rich white people, and all those cities are gated communities, and the only people of color allowed inside are there to wipe their babies' asses, clean their mansions, and tend their fucking lawns. The persistent fucking lie that we are special has been calculated propaganda campaign to keep Americans feeling smug and happy so we don't pick up torches and burn those fucking fake cities to the ground, and watch is just so fucking ironic is how many of the people on Capitol Hill on January 6th live in the suburbs of those fucking fake ass cities. There is this persistent and comforting illusion that the Trump army is a bunch of poor inbred goobers living in rundown trailer homes angry that their government benefits ain't bigger. And that is a stone fucking lie perpetrated not just by the right but by the media who lazily trotted out to East Bumpfuck and Lester's grub and gas to do interviews with some gap tooth yokel in 2016. Are there a lot of gap tooth yokels that fucking love Trump? Trump? You betcha. But the motherfuckers on the floor of the Capitol were thick with doctors, lawyers, business owners, and retired military officers who were doing quite well for themselves. Thank you very much. The leaders of this little rebellion were not Cletus and Cooter. They were Lauren and Chad, who have the money to drop everything and fly to D.C. to capture and kill a Congress critter. When America sees those shitheads in furs, they don't think that those shitheads come from solid upper-middle-class backgrounds, and that the fascists with the unkempt beards aren't from our quiet, middle-safe, middle-class American neighborhoods. They're not us. Motherfucker, they are as American as mom and apple pie. That retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel with his zip ties and tasers you saw jumping around brought his fucking mom to the riot. No word on whether or not she provided pie to the coup planning commission, but it's a pretty safe bet that she did. Have some more pie. Those people that day were all high on the American supply of exceptionalism, but they're not alone by any means. Again, let me quote from the Medium article, quote, even liberals really struggle with the core fact that America is just another country in the world. April D. Ryan asked, what makes us different from a third world country and dictatorships? The answer is nothing, besides hubris. Nothing makes you different. Looking down on these countries just makes you ignorant. April Ryan seems cool, but even she inhabits the same mythology of American exceptionalism. Pete Buttigieg will say, weapons like the one I carried in Afghanistan have no place on our streets and in our schools, least of all in the hands of white nationalists. Ignoring the fact that white nationalists shouldn't be carrying weapons in Afghanistan either, and that chickens come home to roost. Buttigieg seems like a douche, but not evil. Even his brain cannot process that Americans should not be using those weapons on anyone. Even to him, America is an exception. This idea that exceptionalism is some protective secret sauce, ingredients, the blood of Jesus, 11 herbs and spices, and oxycontin, is precisely what is getting you killed. There is no sauce. You're just another country, and you've committed the cardinal mistake of smoking your own propaganda. Just look at where you are. Look at other people and try to do better. You're not better than everybody else. This, it's this idea that's made you so much worse, unquote. And yet, 
Even knowing all this, we all keep wanting to say, yeah, but, 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 but. There's no yeah. There's no but. It's all poisonous myth and it's killing the country. The poison is on both sides of the political argument. With the right screaming America is now and always haven't been exceptional. And it's the liberal mindset that is bringing us down. While the left just screaming the failure. It's the failures of the right wing ideology keeping America from being that shining city on the hill. We all know it should be if only the right would stop obstructing progress. The only thing both sides can agree on is that America is special. Just not on why it is so special. What neither side can accept is reality. America is not ordained by God or driven by self-derived enlightenment, depending on where you fall on the left-right divide. America is a human creation, flawed, fallible, prone to failures, lacking in foresight, drawn to learning the wrong lessons from hindsight, and generally inclined to short-term gains rather than long-term goals. America is a toddler with one marshmallow now or two marshmallows in five minutes, and America already has its mouth full of marshmallow before they even finish laying out the rules of the game. We have created a system that rewards short-term thinking and profound selfishness and then created a mythology to tell ourselves all our work qualities are in fact our special destiny. It is fucking infuriating to watch from the outside and highly disturbing to experience from the inside. A 2011 article originally in the Washington Post by Richard Cohen said of our little problem, quote, a Brookings Institute report termed the happiness factor occurs across the board. Brookings should have called the phenomenon the ignorance is bliss factor, which now be, may be the true meaning of American exceptionalism. Its current iteration comes from a form of self-esteem, which holds that how you feel is more important than how you perform, unquote. We live in a society where objective truth is absent, where one is free to pick and choose their own facts because of this first lie. So many of my friends who share my leftist worldview rightly condemn the MAGAs who storm the Capitol, as do I. But there's also a part of me that feels sorry for these people because they too are a victim of that first lie and a society and culture that cannot reflect upon its own flaws and failings. They are fed a constant stream of lies and propaganda inflated by bad actors and narcissistic assholes with pretenses to deep dictatorial statuses. They are told they are special, they are loved, and they are right. And because of our national myth, they simply cannot stop stop and ask the question that needs to be asked whenever you feel strongly about anything. Why do I feel this way? Is it something that I know or is it because of something some, or it's something that someone told me? Is this an institutional problem or a direct threat to my safety? Is there an actual evidence to support my conclusion or am I being willfully ignorant because it feels really good? These people were deprived of basic tools to reach a fact-based conclusion through decades of educational neglect and mercenary capitalism in the media markets. They were deeply and troubly wrong in their conclusions and their actions, but they didn't get there by accident. They were led there by institutional failure stretching back to the founding of the nation. Flaws unresolved since the writing of the Constitution, reinforced through white supremacy and uncontrolled capitalism, honed with systemic and de facto racism and stoked by a constant drumbeat of for-profit, profit with an F, religiosity. Their racism, their religiosity, their willful ignorance, that's all on them, but the system that weaponized them through social media and echo chamber news gave them a green light to act on those flaws and led directly to Capitol Hill, that faithful day. And that's not on them. That's on all of us because we are too blind to examine the problems in our country because we don't believe there is any. There's perhaps no better metaphor for the United States of America than that of the White House. 
Ask anyone who's ever worked in the White House, and they will tell you it's a beautiful, majestic building filled with splendor, majesty, the rich pageant of history. And they'll also tell you the plumbing sucks. It's bitterly cold in winter with the wind whistling through the walls. It's stuffy in the D.C. summer, even with the air conditioner running full blast. Because some part of it's constantly being rebuilt or upgraded is a rat problem in the basement's level, and you don't go down there without an armed secret service agency. It was built in 1792, and it shows every one of those years in one way or another. Oh, and also, it was built using slave labor just like America. But all we see is the majestic hallways and the elegant furnishings. What the White House really needs is a gut renovation to bring it up to 21st century standards because all the upgrades are spackle on the exterior doing nothing to address the fundamental problem that it was built in 1792. It's been burned down, rebuilt, and constantly occupied, and and all of its renovations were done by the lowest bidder, just like America. In 1861, all the patches and spackle holding America together fell apart at the same time, and the entire structure began falling apart real fucking fast. You might recall that little Civil War thing. And when it was over, the Union won, and there was a moment when we had a genuine chance to rebuild and start fresh and build a new structure, modern, capable of withstanding centuries of change, of adapting to a world that everyone could see was coming before their very eyes with the Industrial Revolution was literally creating the future. What was done instead was shoring up the foundation of the old structure with new amendments, big on promises, and law unsured on actual change. Was it better than nothing? Sure. But what it did was what America always does. Pushes the problem off for a few generations. Come the 1960s, we slapped some new paint on the outside so things look good, but didn't anything do anything to fix the rot creeping through the first structures and latest repairs, all the while hoping that we could make it a generation or two before things got bad enough to deal with. Which, okay, yeah, that worked, I guess, as usual, but only barely because right now the floors are sagging, the roof is leaking, and shit is spewing out of the third floor bathroom. So what do you do? Am I saying that we should tear down the country and rebuild it from scratch? I mean, it doesn't seem very practical. I don't really see how that could work. We can't even agree on anything. So the idea of calling a new constitutional convention is wildly absurd. It was a massive undertaking when it was done by and for white male landowners in the 1700s. Today, the entire process would just be replaced by Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Admittedly, I would be entertained by Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer trying to beat the shit out of each other, but it's hardly the basis for a system of government. I just don't have an answer to the questions. If the United States were a marriage, I'd strenuously recommend divorce or at least some intense marriage counseling. I wonder who we could get to be our counselor. Maybe Switzerland? They've been putting up crazy shit like this since they were founded. So how do you get people to stop believing in a myth? Fucked if I know. (laughs) You can't make people see reality. You can't make them stop believing bullshit. They got to get there on their own. No one convinced me to become an atheist. I had to get there on my own. Did I have people that made me think? Sure. But I was the one that had to do the thinking. And George Carlin is dead now, so I don't see how he can help an entire nation of 370 million peoples like he helped me. National myths are rarely, if ever, a good thing. There are those that are mostly harmless, like, say, Arthurian legends in England, but usually they're a useful tool for totalitarians who use them to forge a unified identity that (laughs) serves as a cudgel for the outsiders and the unbelievers. Our national myth is and always has been toxic. There's not a single atrocity in our history not tied directly to the idea that we, 
because of our singular specialness, were not right to do something, whether that something was chattel slavery or genocide. What Donald Trump has done in four short years is take that persistent and toxic myth and use it to fuel the grudges and divisions that are already embedded into our national foundation. Race, religion, class, and the rural-urban divide. He was able to do that not because he was a brilliant tactician or scholar of history. He was able to do it because he was a petty, vain, but cunning man whose own mental dysfunction gave him a peculiar insight to the fears and insecurities of a segment of the population who very much feel as though they're being sidelined and marginalized as the cultural and racial makeup of the nation evolves. He was able to do this via the megaphone of social media in a way that's never been done before and was allowed to go unchecked for years and years until his rhetoric, until his rhetoric finally achieved where it was heading all along, violence. It was abetted by a media climate fractured and crumbling due to economic changes and new technology, but also because the pundits and thinkers suffered from the national myth as well, myth as well that America was too special for it to actually happen here. And that just isn't who we are when they damn well ought to have known better. Those of us who stood up and said, yeah, not only is it, can it happen here, it's happening here, we're Cassandras, doomed to be right, but never listened to, because if they listened to us, that would mean that America is just like every other fucking country on this planet, and that we were never special, we were only lucky a couple of times. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. I hate doing shows like this. I really do. They aren't funny. You can't be funny about some things like this. Admittedly, I made some bad jokes, but they weren't funny. You don't really learn anything important from shows like this, like about giant lizards or how Colonel Sanders is kind of a god in Japan. And those are the kind of shows I want to do. When I started this podcast, all of these shows were like this, just me preaching, and I got tired of doing, to, doing them. But the last couple of weeks happened, and they happened to all of us, and we're all working our way through them as best we can. And for me, that's preaching to you, The Converted. By the time this show hits your feed, we'll be hours away from Joe Biden being sworn in, and while not a panacea for our ailments, at least Joe will not actively make them worse. I promise to come back after Inauguration Week with a show that's funny, educational about silly things, and not to mention Donald Trump in it, hopefully, ever again. Or, you know, I'll be reporting from the front lines of a civil war, whichever happens. So rate and review the show, helps others find it and listen to us. We need that to happen. Follow the show on Twitter, the hell underscore podcast with the show name on Facebook. And you go over to patreon.com slash what the hell pod. Thanks to our donors over there. We can always use more. All the shows are on what the hell podcast.com. And as always, we are a proud member of Celtic Kings Podcast Network, who probably don't want me doing any more shows like this either. So for me, Dave and Miss Buster Bledsoe producing Authorian Legends on a Valuable Insight to Britain's Prehistory Gavin and all the fictional special Americans on this show, we want to say that it's a whole lot easier when that bitch leaves town. It'll be a whole lot easier without his face around. Nobody on Twitter to stamp and shout. Nobody on Facebook to turn the Nazis out. And we'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings podcast network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. 
Kings. Podcast.